You wouldn't think it, but watching mixed martial arts can be incredibly educational. Now, there are the obvious things you might learn from observing the sport, like basic self-defense concepts or keeping your chin tucked if you're in a fight, but there's so much more that, as a fan, if you watch long enough, you're going to pick up on that almost feels entirely unrelated to MMA, be it some medical knowledge or business strategy or even things about the greater world around us. So today we're going to be taking a look at some of the knowledge we've acquired through our years of fight fandom that really have not a whole lot to do with actual fighting, but we picked it up by accident along the way. Get ready for at least a few ideas here that you can throw at your significant other when they ask you why you watch this crap. And now here's pretty much the opposite of my significant other. Hey guys, it's me, Balian. And did you know that once again, Amanda Nunes is the favorite against Juliana Pena? So you got champion versus ex-champion. And in this case, the ex-champion is still the favorite, even though she was beaten pretty soudly by the champion last time. Or you might even agree with that yourself. Either way, this is a great time to get involved. And there's no better place than my bookie. When you join the MyBookie community, you'll get an instant deposit bonus, and if you use the code MMA on point, they'll match half of your deposit up to $1,000. Bet one fight or parlay multiple bets to raise a stake on this UFC card, and bet with us and the rest of the MyBookie crew. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with MyBookie. We've got more on that later, but for now, here are... Thanks for the quick lesson. Just be sure to ask next time. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and these are 10 things you unintentionally learn watching MMA. Number 10, pro wrestling lingo. The connection between mixed martial arts and pro wrestling is undeniable, and given the sports history and the massive influence that the Japanese pro wrestling community has had on shaping MMA, it's really no surprise. And as such, even if you've never watched a single pro wrestling event in your entire life, if you're an MMA fan, you've probably picked up on a ton of their lingo and didn't even realize it. We so often look at fights and fighters using their terminology. The most basic example being the concept of a heel or a face. We might say, oh, that fighter is playing a heel. We're talking about anybody that's being purposely antagonistic. Chael Sonnen, Colby Covington, John Jones. These are heels and we want the baby face to beat them, the good guy. But it's not just those basic concepts. So many wrestling terms now seem to apply to mixed martial arts and are regularly used. We say a fighter is getting heat. They're working a gimmick. They're cutting a promo. Someone that loses a lot. We might call a jobber or a mid-carder. The money match or money fight, that comes from wrestling. The rope break we saw in Japanese MMA, that was because there were rope breaks in pro wrestling. I could go on for days, but much of these terms and phrases are so ingrained in MMA culture, a lot of fans probably didn't even know that they came from pro wrestling. Buddy, Vince McMahon retired the other day. Just curious to know thoughts on that. I gave him much better seats than he gave me when I went to see Ronda. <laughs> Number nine, muscles aren't everything. One of the great lessons that comes from watching mixed martial arts is the realization that being big and as muscled up as possible doesn't always mean you're the baddest guy in the room. And this really goes so counterintuitive to mainstream understanding of what makes a formidable foe, especially here in the US as the wrong idea has been consistently presented to us in popular culture. If you look like Arnold or Hulk Hogan, you're automatically the winner. What's great about this one is it's been tried and true since UFC won. Skinny little hoist beating Michelin man Ken Shamrock. It's not that a big old muscle freak can't be a great fighter, of course they can, but it doesn't guarantee their victory. Otherwise, Brock Lesnar would have never lost a single fight, especially to Cain Velasquez. Some of the sport's greatest fighters, Cain, DC, Anderson to a degree, Fedor, Toothpick Legs, JBJ, the list goes on and on and on. You can't judge a book by its cover in this sport. You can look like a million bucks and get choked out by a guy who looks like chewed bubblegum. Hell, a lot of times having big ass muscles makes it hard to fight for very long. Now, does it mean I'm going to take this knowledge and start a bar fight with some juicehead turkey to steal a line from Connor. You said turkey and you said turkey. No, 
because for all I know, that guy trains. And fighting for no reason is stupid. But it's certainly knowledge that if you watch MMA, you'll acquire pretty quickly. Number eight, law. I truly never thought I would learn about law watching cage fights. But surprisingly, it's difficult to get away from as a fan. And you learn so much just by observing the big stories in the sport. Much of it is very specific to the situations that pop up in MMA, but the concepts can certainly be applied elsewhere. There have been so many major lawsuits over the years, like Mark Hunt suing over UFC 200 that received pretty substantial coverage by the MMA media. Hell, we did a top 10 list of them. Then there's all the contract law and disputes, Randy Couture, Francis Ngannou. We all learned recently about sunset clauses in contracts. I didn't know any of that stuff. Why am I aware of the Sherman Antitrust Act of 1890? Because I watch fighting, of course, and the UFC is currently battling a bunch of their former contractors in a case over it. A class action, something that, again, you could learn from MMA. Labor law, in particular, is a big part of the sports discourse, learning what actually constitutes an independent contractor and what is required for a group of workers to legally organize as a union. Then there's watching the legal struggles of many of the sports stars. Even something as simple as understanding pleading the fifth in court, as Nick Diaz so eloquently demonstrated in his INSAC hearings. I'm not going to answer the question. There's really no way around it. If you're going to watch MMA, you're going to learn a thing or two about law, which is never a bad thing, right? Number seven, sports betting. I fully admit, I didn't know a damn thing about sports betting before mixed martial arts. I was never one to bet on major sports or horse races or any of that stuff, so I came into MMA a complete novice. But reflecting on it now, it's crazy just how much I've learned by watching MMA, because it's such a big part of the culture. I know it is for all sports, but MMA really leans heavily into it. I got a guy, I got a friend that has 20 grand on Nick Diaz. Especially now that it's been legalized online across most of the United States. I didn't know what a line was or what those numbers even meant. I couldn't have told you shit about a prop or a parlay, a straight money line bet, but it's not just the basics. That's definitely stuff you can pick up from watching MMA, but there's so much analysis based specifically on sports betting, be it from shows that make it the focus or even on the actual fight broadcasts where the UFC or PFL or whoever might have an expert on for a moment to talk about their picks. You could learn a great deal about betting strategy just by being an MMA fan that you could then apply to other sports. It's definitely the most friendly and upfront sport as it comes to gambling, with the exception of maybe boxing, so combat sports in general. But yeah, if you stick around long enough, you'll inevitably pick up all kinds of sports betting knowledge. Number six, amateur wrestling culture. My biggest regret, okay, maybe not my biggest regret, but the thing I regret very much was not wrestling in high school. I did track and football. I didn't want to do three sports. Had I known my entire life was going to revolve around cage fighting, I'd have worn a singlet to school every day. The influence of wrestling on MMA, especially in the United States, is unparalleled. I know the U.S. didn't invent wrestling, but it has such a strong identity and culture here, and it's impacted the sport a ton, which is why if you watch it, you've probably picked up on a lot of these things, even if, like me, you never joined the team. I am going to wrestle you. The brutal and oftentimes excessive training, the weight cutting to near death, which is probably wrestling's biggest contribution to MMA next to the blast double, the mentality of collegiate wrestlers. They've been through years and years of the most horrible training, getting run into the ground, and as a result, a few things are usually true. They're tough as all fuck, I mean they're punishment sponges, they have inhuman cardio, and they're built like brick shithouses with necks like Christmas hams. The terrible lengths that fighters go to to cut weight, that all comes from wrestling culture. And considering it's one of the more messed up aspects of our sport, it does speak volumes about their mentality and what they brought to MMA. Number five, marketing. One of the really fascinating things about MMA is that the fans love the business side of it. Now, don't get me wrong, in other sports, people are interested in contract negotiations and things like that. There's definitely interest in the back end of things, but more unique to MMA is that we're also obsessed with selling. What sells? What makes a fighter popular? What makes a pay-per-view successful? How should a promotion best promote a fighter? And how should that fighter market themselves to maximize their money-making potential? If you're a fan of the sport, you've undoubtedly had conversations 
conversations about this topic with other fans, and you've probably learned quite a good deal about what sells and how best to market something. Whether it's a promotion playing up rivalries between nationalities, or them leaning heavily into a beef between two fighters, the many tricks of the trade are picked up on over time. The importance and potential impact of a strong social media presence. That is a huge lesson that is learned from MMA. Look at Ben Askren. Retired, had no prospects of fighting anybody ever again, but he kept himself relevant with social media, so when he got that trade deal, he was able to use his platform to really elevate himself to fans who had probably never even seen him fight. If there's one takeaway from MMA as it relates to marketing, it's that it's pretty much the key to everything. You can be the best in the world, but if you can't sell it, then it doesn't really matter because nobody's making money, and that's what it's all about anyway. Number four, government and politics. I mean, I gotta be honest, didn't expect when I started watching people beat each other up in a cage that I would learn about government bodies, their tendency towards corruption, as well as the politics and influences of various world leaders I didn't even know existed. But if you're an MMA fan, this stuff is just so woven into the sport, it's hard to avoid learning about it. Obviously, in the early years, there was quite a political push to have the sport banned outright, and politics in MMA have been heavy ever since. I mean, every commission is a political body, usually appointed by the state governor, with very few checks on their authority, as we've well seen. As the UFC pushed to legalize MMA in New York, fans learned about the promotion's battle with the Culinary Union, and how that body's influence on the New York State Assembly, specifically Speaker Sheldon Silver, who in an unrelated matter would be removed from office over federal corruption charges, is essentially what kept that from happening for years. Chechen warlord Ramzan Kadyrov, a person I can almost guarantee you I'd have never known existed before mixed martial arts. His attempts to influence the sport has made his many human rights violations fairly common knowledge as an MMA fan. Even the biggest leaders seem to be making their presence known in our little niche. Putin going to Fedor fights and meeting with Connor and Habib. Trump and his relationship with Dana White. Ron DeSantis sitting cage side. It's all politics and it's all mixed martial arts. Number three, PEDs. Oh yeah, this is the good stuff right here. If you only watched MMA in like the 90s and early 2000s, your knowledge of performance enhancers gathered from the sport is probably pretty minimal, but if you've watched from like circa 2009 on, oh man, do you know a ton about drugs. Not just that, but the testing process and testosterone, the names of different steroids, the functions that they have, why a fighter might be taking estrogen blockers, what EPO does for your cardio, what the normal testosterone to epitestosterone ratio is for the average person, why diuretics are used to assist in weight cuts and also mask other PED usage, why fighters prefer to rehydrate with an IV and why it's been outlawed, how supplement brands do a shit-tacular job of avoiding contamination, that going to a gas station for boner pills might also improve your workouts, or how about what a fucking pulsing picogram is, or even a picogram at all for that matter. Uh, next question please, thank you. And I could go on, I didn't know any of this stuff before fighting. PED usage, the attempts to squash it, and how it all works are a near constant discussion in mixed martial arts. It has died down a bit lately because I think with USADA sort of taking a back seat, it's not exactly in popular discourse all the time, but there was a good chunk of years where the amount of knowledge you could pick up about PEDs just by being a fight fan was pretty substantial. Number two, weird injuries. Most of the medical knowledge I've acquired in life is by watching mixed martial arts. From super serious stuff like head trauma and blood flow to the brain, to all the weird stuff that just doesn't pop up a lot IRL, like cauliflower ear. You need only watch the first Expendables movie to realize how uncommon that injury would be to a regular person, as they had to shoehorn a whole scene into the movie of Randy Couture explaining why his ears look like that. Common injury associated with that sport is trauma to the ear, a clot which if left unattended, causes a contraction in the cartilage and forms 
cauliflower ears. My younger brother threw a toy drill at my older brother one time when we were kids, and he got this massive lump on his forehead, which I now know is called a hematoma because I watch people fight each other for my entertainment and they sometimes get them. A far more practical use of this random medical knowledge is don't blow your nose if you suspect you've broken your nose or your orbital bone. Cuts on the head, they bleed a lot, but that's okay. It's usually not life or death. Staph infections might be though, so it's best to have your doctor put you on a run of antibiotics so you don't end up with a big hole in your body. None of this stuff I would have learned in any other sport. I'm basically a doctor now. Number one, different cultures. Mixed martial arts is truly an international sport and always has been, so no matter what era you started watching, you've learned a ton about other cultures simply by observing the fighters and oftentimes the places fights are being held. Brazil's influence on the sport is unparalleled. In my many years of watching, I've learned about their language, class divides, the importance of religion in their society, the history of their colonization, the influence of Japan on their culture. I can make a top 20 list of things I didn't know about Brazil before I started watching MMA. Speaking of Japan, if you watched during the Pride era, or even now still today through Ryzen, there's so much about their culture that comes through in the sport. I didn't know a damn thing about Dagestan before Habib, and now I know an unusual amount for the average person living in the Midwest United States. I've also learned so much about Muslim culture, and you, my English friends. There was a ton I didn't know about England. I'm still learning. I still say the names of places wrong all the time. I'm getting better at identifying the many dialects. Ireland and its political and religious history, their relationship with England. I could keep on giving specific examples, but you get the point. There are so many fascinating fighters with interesting backgrounds from all over the world in this sport, and one of the coolest things about watching is the emphasis we put on these things and getting to learn a bit more about where they're all from and what it's like there. Big ol' shout out to my dude Luke Taylor for editing this video together. You can find him and his awesome digital art on Twitter at CoolToMe underscore. A big, big thank you to Ben Rosette, who provided that sweet tune you heard in the intro. Check out his music by clicking the link in the description and go give him a follow on his Instagram and Twitter page at Ben Rosette. Thanks for watching. Please give us a like and subscribe. We've got three new videos or more for you every single week. Let us know what you thought of the video in the comments below. Follow On Point MMA on Twitter and have yourself a wonderful day.